Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm glad to have you here tonight. Um, Folks, I just want to get into some prayer and let's get started. Father, I thank you in the name above every name, Yeshua, Jesus, for the power that's in that name and the cleansing power of that blood. Um, Lord, we pray tonight um, that any evil, any foul spirit that would come against this program, that in the name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, that you have no place here. Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins and anything I've done to offend you, Lord. I repent and ask that it be washed away, Lord, and be hidden and and cast into the depths that never be seen again. Lord, I pray that you will bless this show tonight to bless your people in Yeshua's name. Amen. Folks, it's a... it's been a, an incredible week, and just a side note, I mentioned the other week, uh, well, it's been almost, uh, I guess it's six weeks ago, we're going on uh, next week, on Tuesday, I think it will be seven weeks, my grandson, Rowan, uh, is here, and I tell you, I've become the 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 old person I never wanted to be, I sometimes I get so frustrated, and people, well, not frustrated, but like, hey, I put your grandchildren pictures away, okay, I mean, we've seen them enough, that's me now, I'm 48, I find myself driving down the road, looking at his pictures. I get emotional. I almost cried today. I was supposed to be this Marine, and, you know, my wife's like, whatever happened to that tough guy? He doesn't exist. You know, I'm older now, so not to get sidetracked, but it's amazing how God can melt a heart with one little precious life. And every time, my mom today, I sent her some pictures of Rowan. She said, how can you not believe in a God when you see something so incredible as that. And so I thank you, Father in heaven, for that gift of that grandchild and the gift of my children who I love dearly. And Lord, I look forward to your soon return and this thing will be over. Folks, this is an important program tonight because sometimes it's so easy to often look at what's going on right now, which is so just... You know, I always consider myself obviously more on the Republican side and just in general um, because of a conservativeness of me. But I'm I'm way too conservative for Republicans. I don't believe they're they're just as corrupt as the Democratic side. They're they're just as evil. and, And there's just so much wickedness that's going on right now. And there's so much wickedness that's going on in the church. And it's so easy to look at that and and fail. And, and, and because of you're so dis, dis, uh, discouraged or or it maybe it looks like you didn't get a fair chance. And I, but I've always told people over and over again, don't ever go to hell for somebody else. Don't ever blame your life problems on someone else as an excuse because it won't do any good. There are people I've seen dealt extraordinary circumstances that you would think could justifiably say this is not fair and yet they still worship and praise God no matter what we don't have an excuse regardless of our circumstances because in the end we all make our own choices Samuel followed the Lord 
He did the right things. He was a godly man. There, I don't see any evidence in the Bible that he was a bad father, yet his children decided to go the wrong way. They did a lot of evil and, and wicked stuff. Does that mean Samuel was a bad dad? No, it meant that his children made bad choices. So whether you were raised in the perfect so-called Christian home and you've chose to go the wrong way, or you were raised in the ghetto, in the backwoods, in whatever your problem might be, abusive households, doesn't matter. You can choose to go the right way. But the choice ultimately is up to us by the power of God. You know, reminding, thinking about that story of the emperor's new clothes, that if you remember the story of Hans Christian Andersen, it was always interesting in that story because the lie that was being told, right? You had to believe the lie. Nobody wanted to go against the lie, even though it wasn't true, even though the king was naked, nobody wanted to go against the lie because they were afraid of the penalty and the outcome. And what happens is when you say a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, People will often believe the lie. I used to be a chronic liar prior to being saved by Christ. I lied so much because I was always doing so many wrong things that I actually believed my own lies. That's true. I, I was, I was <coughs> excuse me, so deep into it and told him so much, I began to believe them. You know, with the emperor, though, Everybody was acting like everything was okay, when in truth, everything was actually wrong. And that's the exact story we find in the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.14. And I want to just focus on this. You know, it's a very uh, famous passage in the Bible, but I'm hoping that maybe we get a little something different from it that maybe you've never gotten before. Revelation chapter three, starting in verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of Laodicea writes, these are the things saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see as many as I love. I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Back to this famous church of Laodicea. Some scholars believe that different church you know, different churches uh, in Revelation represent different church ages, and that the Laodicean church is the last church age. That would seem to be, uh, at this time at least, very appropriate, um, because this is the church, obviously, of the Laodicean age. 
And it happens right prior to the return of Jesus. It's because it's also what the Lord said would happen in the word of God, that the earth would become dark. It would wax gross or evil. And, and, and right before the return of Christ, we would be at the darkest phase in earth's history. And it seems to be lining up that the so-called modern-day church would fall in line with the world, and therefore the world falls in line with the devil, and the devil is full of darkness. So looking at this church, we begin to see some similarities between the emperor's new clothes. Here we have this church. They are under this strong delusion that everything they are doing in the church is fine, just like with the emperor, right? Everything is okay, you know. They're the tithe is good, attendance is decent, which is not actually true anymore. They have a midweek prayer, you know, everything's good and 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 God looks down at these people and he's absolutely grieved at these people because everything they do is so half-hearted. Just like in the emperor's new, everything was supposedly fine. Look at his new clothes and everybody was pretending, "Oh, they look so great," when actually he had nothing on at all. But everybody was acting like it was okay instead of the absolute crisis that was going on that their emperor was naked. And the truth is today, the church is absolutely naked. And there are so many people, and I find it's in the Christian world, so-called, that I find some of the craziest people in this world. From emails to messages people send me to so-called prophecies. Listen, you know, I believe in the the prophetic gifts. I believe that the gifts of the, of the Bible are still in effect today, but I hear stuff that is so outrageous. People rebuke, send me to hell, all kinds of things. You know, I had a person wanted to keep posting all their propaganda on our channel and everything. And, and I, and I just deleted it. It's not a place you're going to promote yourself. I don't know you. If you could see what they wrote to me, it's outrageous. But they are the true believers that are going on. And everything is just fine when actually their fruits say something totally different. Today, so many churches think, well, if we can just be good enough and kind enough, then maybe people will like us. And, and this is good. We're, reach, we're doing these things. And, and, and God must be happy because the pastor is telling us nice things every week. And we still got tithe coming in. And our church hasn't shut yet. So everything must be okay. And God is so angry because of these half-hearted people who refuse to commit to a full-time relationship. It's like being in love with somebody. You want to get married, and they refuse to ever get married, and the dating just goes on and on and on forever. And after a while, you get tired of it. Folks, too many of us have refused to make a full commitment to the Lord. In this hour, you know the prophecies of the last days according to the word of God. You know the timing that we're in. You know the moments that we're in. You've seen the strong delusion that's going on everywhere in the world. You have seen the complete and total and utter collapse of a moral system, especially in this country, but worldwide that has fallen down to absolute, complete, utter, uh, just wretchedness. And, and debauchery that's going on. And yet people will act like everything is still somehow okay and refuse to make a full commitment because they act like there's no crisis that's going on. 
Folks, I'm here to tell you, we are living in the very last of the last days. Two signs are all you really need to know. It'll be as in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And you are living so thick in the days of Lot. We are Sodom and Gomorrah is not even close to as wicked as we are. And Jesus said, this is what will happen right before he returns. Folks, this is the trouble. This half-hearted commitment. We've talked about prayer, fasting, seeking his face for so long, but yet so few actually even ever do it. The amount of believers that have actually even read their Bible all the way through is so, it's so small. Most people don't even read the word, maybe a verse a day. If that, it's, well, I listened to a program today by this and this guy or this end times guy or the freeze dried or whoever, whatever people there are out there. I'm not trying to bash everybody. I'm just saying, and this is okay because I heard about how to prep some more food and therefore I'm all right. And you haven't spent even a minute in the very word of God. And you wonder why God doesn't speak but you keep your Bible closed. Listen to what it said in verse 17 again. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The truth is the prosperity of America has killed the believer's heart. The prosperity in America has killed the believer's heart because it has caused believers to to believe that somehow they can stand in their own strength and power. And only when there's a little bit of deviation from the comfort zone do we need God. When the truth is, folks, this money in ba- people's banks, these listen, I run a business that I own. Okay? I'm an IT I had security and, uh, you know, network engineering and all these things. And I, 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 you know, I see all this stuff that's going on. And I know that in any minute, any time out there, that all this can come crashing down around me. And I am not banking on my business being my salvation. I am banking on the Lord Jesus Christ to be my salvation because all this stuff shall burn. I am not taking it with me. I am leaving it behind good riddance. We think we got it all together so often. But just like the emperor's clothes, so many are blind, miserable, and naked because we don't spend quality time with the Lord. I want you to quit pretending, unless you are, and if you are spending that time, God bless you for doing that. And I know there are faithful believers out there who really are, but I'm talking to you right now that you listen to all the programs, you listen to, the, you read the quick little news articles, you scan the things, you hear a YouTube video, and you know about what's going on right now, but in reality, your prayer time and your Bible study time is almost at nothing. And many on that listen to this program have hardly ever witnessed to anybody in their entire life. Folks, what are we doing? 
You see, it wasn't until a child told the emperor he was naked that the people woke up out of their denial and blatant living the lie. We are living at a time and this world is falling apart. And I don't need to go through all the sick and disgusting times and people don't even know who they are anymore. And this justice system is so politically corrupt and our, our, uh, you know, our political system is so far out of whack and so corrupt and all these different things. And I, you know, voting, I mean, what are you voting for? Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows who's going to get anything uh, to come out right and just anymore? Everything's so corrupt and manipulated. There's no hope in this world our only hope is in jesus and on top of this this is the part that bothers me the most the church has lost its backbone they're afraid the men are afraid to be men anymore they whine complain instead of rising up and being warriors that god has called us to be Many women now believe they don't even need men anymore and they will rule over society and if they can be more gay and more woke and more social justice and whatever it is and many of the men are turning into women and women are turning into men. This is the society. If you're a man and you believe in Jesus, then put your big boy pants on and man up. I am so sick of pansies in the church pans and i'm not talking about going out and and yelling and screaming at people that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about standing up for the cause of jesus christ you don't have to hurt anybody you don't have to hit anyone i'm talking about simply standing up for what is true and if you're a woman ruling over all the men you know what reread the word of god again okay the men are supposed to do and to rule, and they are supposed to then in turn love their wives as Christ loved the church. And if they do that right, and if they love their wives like Christ loved the church, and if they do the things as Jesus told us to do, then the women will naturally follow the men because the men will represent Christ. Not abusive, not mean, not hateful. I'm sorry. I know there's women who want to rule and tell men what to do. It's wrong. It's not biblical. It's not the right thing. And if you don't like it, go find another program to listen to because I don't care. A godly woman, though, in turn... It's one of the most beautiful things. My wife is a wonderful, powerful, very self-sustaining lady, okay? Who is not afraid to stand up for what's right. And she will tell me what needs to go. But if in the house I have to put my foot down, rarely I do, but if I do, my wife respects that and she knows that the husband is the head of the household. It's okay. It's not mean. I don't rule with an iron fist. I try to rule lovingly. But in the event, my wife will tell you, the man, the woman, and, and it doesn't devalue her. Unfortunately, men, too many women have to play your part though sometimes because men have been absent in the home. And I bless and thank those women who have 
taken over the spiritual leadership in the absence of men to at least try to guide their children in the right direction. But that doesn't give men an excuse. We need a man back up. Thank you, lady. It's so often the women have to bail us men out anyways because we're such we're morons sometimes. Folks, we are living in such a topsy-turvy world. And we think, oh, this is so, your brother Frank's so mean. He's a, he's about a man beater and all this, or woman beater and all that. No, I believe in respecting and loving and caring and nurturing. But the truth is, my job is the spiritual leader of this home. And I'm to lead as Christ would want me to leave. And if I mess up, I repent and ask God to forgive me and then continue going in the way he desires me to be. My wife also is to do the same thing, and I am to love her like Jesus loves me, and I'm to love her the way that I want Christ to love me. But there is a rule, an order that God set down, and we follow that principle. And you know what? In As a couple, in value, we are equal in Christ, in value. But when it comes to hierarchy in the home, there is a rule, and I'm sorry, I know this makes people upset, but this is the problem we're living in today. We have had a reversal of what we're supposed to do. And and this is another one of those signs in the end times. It's in Isaiah chapter three and verse 12. If you just want to turn there for a minute, God spoke of the day through the prophet Isaiah that we are living in. Look what it says, Isaiah chapter three, I think in verse 12, as for my people, Children are their oppressors, are their oppressors, meaning children are telling their parents what to do. They're ruling over them. They're, 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 they're not being obedient children anymore. And then it says, and women rule over them. Children oppress their parents and society, and the women are now ruling society. Oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy past. So there would come a day when we would have a role reversal where women would now lead, children would be in rebellion, and you know what? The man has lost his backbone. I'm sorry, but that is the absolute truth. And it's the same as the church in Laodicea. And somehow our society has convinced us that this is okay. That this is the right way to go. But most people know in their heart of hearts, it's wrong. It's unbiblical. But nobody will stand up anymore. It is a sin and it grieves the very heart of God. The church is naked and nobody wants to call it like it is. The church of Laodicea is in complete depravity. But God is a good physician. He's a good physician and God lays out a cure to the problem that this people are facing because here is the good news even for the church at Laodicea, even for the backsliding believer listening, even for those who were once on fire but now have cooled down and missed the ways of God, even for that, God has a cure. The Bible says that he is still knocking at the door. Did you notice that about the church of Laodicea? That is so interesting that even though they had done all these things wrong, he was upset, ready to vomit them out of his mouth, that he still hadn't given up. That's what blows my mind. 
God doesn't quit on you just because you've made mistakes. God doesn't quit on me just because I've made mistakes. And I have made mistakes. And I tell you what, I am thankful for a loving God and a forgiving wife. Because I'll tell you right now, in 1999, when I had my conversion experience in March, well, I'll tell you what, before my conversion experience, my wife could have pulled a gun out and shot me and would have been justified for the way I had been acting. I had no scruples and I did whatever I did pleasure to do. Nothing was going to hold me back from being from from being pleasured and happy and doing what I wanted to do. Now, I did not lay hands on my wife because I was raised better than that. But I did everything else wrong under the sun that you can imagine. And I didn't care. And thank God that he worked a miracle in saving me and my family when my wife was so finished and ready to leave me. But you know what? God was still knocking at the door. Listen to what he says, though. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see as many as I love, I rebuke, and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. What does it mean, gold tried in the fire? Well, it's interesting, First Peter Chapter 1 has something to say about it, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? Gold tried in the fire. There is a season of heaviness that's happening right now, but God is trying us in the fire like gold to purge the dross so that we can come out refined and purified. That the trial of our faith is being more precious than gold, which will perish. Even though it is even tried in the fire, it will still perish. But we will be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The refining process of God in heaviness will produce eternal salvation and glorification with our Father in heaven and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter goes a little deeper and says that these trials of our faith or of fire, of gold, not only will they be found unto praise, honor, and glory, but that there is something that actually happens to us during 
and at the very end of these trials. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, listen to what it's saying, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Folks, you're not the only one. You're not an island. People are suffering everywhere, okay? But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthen, and settle you. That this trial of gold, that God tells the church in Laodicea who have done everything wrong to go through, he knows that if they allow him to do this trial, that it will ultimately establish them and strengthen them and settle them in their faith. Isn't that unbelievable? That the refiner's fire actually produces peace and strength in the knowledge that your God is faithful. What the Lord is saying through Peter is that if you will embrace these trials and allow them to do their work, the end result will be peace. I can remember years ago when I was, um, I, I, I shared this story a long time ago when I was in Africa and, um, I'd been in this village that was heavily, it was the village. It was called, um, Mwembe and they were known for their witchcraft. And, um, they were telling me how, uh, people had been, uh, the prior year, several people had died from, um, some, some type of thing with blood. I don't, it was ritualistic thing. I'm not sure exactly. The village was predominantly Muslim with a small Christian population, but they were still, it was Muslim mingled in witchcraft and their witchcraft comes from ancestral worship that had been long in that area. And I can remember being scared being left behind and nervous in this village to preach at this church. And, and I can even remember, you know, the feeling that I I'm in enemy territory and, and what all the things that were flooding my mind that I could be killed and all this other stuff. And it was in that moment that I saw God work some of the greatest miracles. And I've shared a long time ago, and I won't get into that, this, this story. And if, if I, I'll share it again someday, if I can't, I, I know I did before, but it, the point was, is that when I was so afraid and nervous and yet did it anyways, I saw God move so powerfully and taught me again how to trust him. I've been in situation after situation in my life where I have said, God, I remember how every time in the past when I was in desperate need, you were there for me. I remember, you know, just crazy things. I was, I was invited to, to speak, um, in this church and it was an all black church, you know, and I'm here. I am a white guy, 700 members, you know, they're in attendance and I, they invite, they asked if I would come up and speak and, and I'm not going to lie. Their pastor was a powerful preacher. He was, he's a good man. I love him to death. And just, and I drove, you know, went all the way up to this couple hours, three hours, maybe away roughly where it was at two and a half, three hours. And, and I went there 
And I was so afraid because here I am preaching behind a pastor that that is uh, one of the most powerful speakers, a uh, very good preacher. And, and I had to go into this church, I'm, you know, in an all black church, which I had my best friends, black, my be- other best friends, Mexican didn't bother me that it's just, it was an intimidating. I'm just trying to tell you, it was intimidating. And I was in the side room getting ready to go out and to speak to these people. And I was pleading with God almost in tears, shaking and trembling. Lord, you remember how you have been there for me in the past, and I need you now. And as I was walking out, they were bringing over a pulpit for me, and I was thinking, if you don't make it soon, if you don't make it over here soon, I am going to not be able to stand unless I can hold on to that because I was so afraid. And I've preached all over the place and I do I you know get nervous all the time, but never like I was so nervous at this point. And I remember this is going to be the devil. This is going to be the worst sermon ever in history. And I was so far out of it. I was going this is going to be um, unbelievably the worst thing that's ever been told in this church, this message I'm about to preach to this people. And I'll tell you what, folks, I hit rock bottom on the way out there and had no strength left to make it through this sermon. And I'm going to tell you right now, the God of heaven stepped down and moved that day in such a powerful way. I almost couldn't believe it myself. And I've seen the Lord move like this, but God moved so hard and we had a call at the end and it was all the Lord because I had nothing to offer. But in my weakness, the Lord that day made his strength so perfect. And he reminded me that he didn't need me, but if I was willing, he would use me. And in my utter weakness, when I had nothing, God got strong inside of me because he knew that he was now in control and I had stepped to the side. My flesh was done and no glory could possibly be claimed by me that day. It was all to God's glory when we saw him absolutely move so powerfully. Lord, folks, I'm trying to share this with you because I know many right now feel weak and many right now feel that they don't know what God is doing. But I'm here to tell you that in your weakness, he will make his strength perfect. And in this trial of fire at times that he will refine and he will settle and he will get you to a place where you can understand and trust his power. Because if what if you could truly understand what is coming. You would understand that he is simply preparing. And if you haven't been in your Bible, it's time to get there. If you haven't been praying, it's time to pray. And I know and I appreciate I love each one of you to listen to the remnant call. But I'll say it again. Shut this program off if it means that you'll finally read the word of God. I would rather you study God's word and seek his face than listen to another episode of the remnant call. Now, I'd rather you do both. But in the end... I'm here to call you to the Lord. I'm not here to call you to remnant call. That's why we don't ask for money. That's why we don't ask for gifts. That's why I don't sell things here. I'm here for one purpose, to point you to Jesus, to point you to our heavenly father. That is the sole reason that the remnant call is here. I don't make a salary from this program. I do this because I love Jesus. I do this because I love the Lord and I love you and want you to know and understand the love your God has for you. 
and he's desiring for you to purchase this gold tried in the fire. You remember the famous first, second Chronicles seven fourteen. You've heard it a million times. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Here God's laying it out simply. There is a wickedness in this world, in the church. Yes, the emperor has no clothes on. Sometimes many of the pastors, the same way, church members. It's time to allow the Lord to begin to purge his people by embracing the power of humility, prayer, and fasting and seeking his face. This is not an event to demand God to hear your voice or my voice. This is simply a cry from his children to say, Father, we cannot do it without you. I've never in my life seen so much death, so much sorrow, so many people fighting for their lives. The divisions and the hatred in this world and for our fellow man is at an all-time high. This is the end of time. People are dying. They're dropping off suddenly. They're, everything is happening and God is calling. He's still knocking and he wants to come in. This is Brother Frank tonight asking each one of you, open that door back up. Let God back in. I don't care how far you have sinned. Do you see the tenderness of the Lord to the church of Laodicea? They were the epitome of the prosperity church, of everything we know that's so wrong. They were, they were trying to live in this false gospel, and yet Jesus was still knocking at the door. You have not sinned too far for the Lord to reach you. You have not committed the unpardonable sin that most people have no idea what the unpardonable sin is. It's I've explained it in past programs on here. It's so misunderstood yet so clearly spoken of in the Bible. You have not committed it. It was simply about calling the miracles of God, the miracles of the devil. Go reread it closely. You'll see it as clear as day. It's right there. The fact is the Lord's arm is not too short that it can still save. And it's stretched out for you tonight. I'm going to ask brother and sister, just like that woman with the issue of blood. She knew the prophecies of the Bible. And she knew that if this Jesus was the one she had read about that had healing in his wings, that all she had to do was reach out and touch the wings, the hem of his garment, and she would be healed. I want you to reach out, grab the hem of your Savior's garment, and let his power pass back to you.
This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, God bless you. Good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounded on the mountain. Though a trumpet in Zion.